My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA LLC, located near San Francisco, California. And Real People USA is a consulting firm. We work with Republican candidates, and we do a lot of things with fundraising and, and strategy. Today, I am pleased to have, as a Real People USA guest, Melissa Martz, that's M-A-R-T-Z. She is an attorney in Florida and lives in Palm Beach County. And she's also, and I will say is still a, a Florida District 21 congressional candidate because it's not over yet. Trust me, it's not over yet. So without uh, any further delay, I would like to welcome to the Real People USA uh, podcast, Melissa. Good morning, Melissa. How are you doing? Good morning. Thank you very much for, for um, having me on. And I cannot complain. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be on the right side of history this morning. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So before we begin with um, some of the things you want to talk about regarding your campaign and the outcome that is, in my opinion, is suspended. It's not over till it's over. Please tell our listening audience a little about Melissa Martz and uh, just uh, what you what you what you have done as, as as your job or your occupation before you began sure. running for Congress. Sure. So um, before I decided to run, I, I'm an attorney. Um, I was very focused on combating child sex trafficking um, advocacy in that space. I thought that where I was going to make a name for myself and my career as an attorney, and then I say the end of the world, uh, as we know it came, um, and I started fighting for my own freedom um, because, you know, I, I say it like the government was stepping on our necks. I sued um, my, the county I live in, Palm Beach County, against their unconstitutional mass mandate, and it was the beginning of a journey of awakening into how corrupted and corroded our government is and the systems that they um, ally with are in our communities. How it's just, you know, just massive once you start going down the rabbit hole. So that is ultimately what led me to run. I'm a mother. I'm a homeschooling mother. Um, I'm very motivated by preserving the Republic for the next generation, not even so much for myself. Uh, I, I believe that stems from being a mother. Um, so we went on a ride <laughs> for almost two years uh, running in CD21, like you said, um, where I experienced a lot of uh, corruption and censorship on behalf of the Republican Party, the Republican establishment, rather, not the people, but the establishment. Um, and from that, we will. I'm going to be writing a, a small book myself and my campaign manager, who happens to be my aunt as well, um, and is just exposing and, and detailing all of that. And, and part of the concern, uh, you know, was wrapped up in a neat little bow on election day when we looked at the election results and something was just very off. Um, of course, I have facts to support that. You know, I do have a gut feeling, but it's, it's more than that. I, I do have facts and I need more facts to be able to confirm that there was any um, any real manipulation of our voting results. Um, so, you know, I have a complaint that I, I filed actually this morning. Um, I, I filed a complaint to contest the election results, um, so that's why you're saying, you know, it's, it's not over till it's over. So uh, if a judge decides to set aside those results and allows us to, to dig into the information, we'll get real answers. You know, if not, um, I'm not alone as a candidate that's very suspicious of our elections. 
um, and, and particularly the results of the primary, this August 23rd primary. So I'm really hoping that um, that we find justice in our court systems because if not, you know, what, what recourse do we have at this point? Um, I say our Second Amendment is our fail-safe in our Constitution. Nobody wants to fight a revolutionary war. We want to believe that the, the other avenues that are available to us in law um, will be successful in producing justice. So that's my prayer, but that's, that's where we're at in the journey. As I just filed, and um, I'm not alone. There are many others that are, that are filing. So we're going we're gonna to have a little faith and see where it goes. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, and I must tell listeners, you're not the only person in the state of Florida that, that, that experienced some alleged shenanigans with the, with the August 23rd primaries. Your colleague, a little south of you, Ruben Young, also experienced the same thing, almost in the same manner. Now, one thing I need to ask you, and this is something that we talked about when I interviewed Ruben Young, how many votes did you receive, Melissa? Yeah, so, um, you know, allegedly from the reporting, we received 6,000 votes, um, and I have... I, my complaint is not public because I've filed it, but I'm also happy to send it out to anyone that wants to see it and look at the facts, you know, organized and put together. Um, but that that number does not make sense <laughs> when you start looking at um, the circumstantial evidence, like you know, past past primaries, um, how long people have run, how much how much money they've raised. Um, it just just very objectively, like a cursory view of just some of the hard facts and stat and um and data it, it just it's not right it doesn't make sense i was told um i don't know if you want me to share the story but i by, by a candidate that came in last minute came in like roughly two two and a half months before election day put his name on the ticket um tried to get me to back out of the race and and in doing so he had invited it like his team his campaign team and on the team was a consultant so this is supposed to be like a you know somebody that knows what they're talking about um, and the consultant said, you know, women just off the bat, they, they pull seven to 10% of the vote. That's just, I guess, a known stat. Uh, just for being female, the stats are you will pull seven to 10% of the vote. And then any work you do on top of that, you know, allegedly that, that's where your additional votes would come from. Um, and I received 8.5% of the vote. So even from, you know, even if there's merit, if, if there is merit to that, even that is suspicious. And then once you start factoring in, I mean, like I say, I was asked to back out of this race in a very shady manner. Um, we have definite, definite misconduct with our SOEs. Um, I would say the most egregious that I've, that I've learned of, um, election night at my watch party, one of the guests at my watch party got a phone call from a friend who worked at the Palm Beach County SOE in an IT-like position. And she said, I have a USB in hand. It has votes on it. So it had our American votes in this USB. And they were having trouble reading the votes off of the USB. So she was told to, by herself, get in a car and then drive them to another location where they would try to, to read them. And this is all recorded. And she says, um, there's, there's several of these USBs that were having trouble reading. So we called the sheriff's office because, you know, we happen to, to have good feelings about this lady. We're not worried she's going to, you know, throw the USB in a ditch or, or switch votes or switch it out for another USB. Um, but somebody else might. That's a chain of custody issue. You know, that calls several votes in, into question. Um, and so we called the sheriff, and the sheriff said, 
so it's rare. It happens, but it's rare. And didn't seem concerned by the fact that chain of custody was being broken with our vote. So to me, that was the most egregious bit of evidence. Um, but there's more, you know, I mean, it's just once you start to get the bigger picture and then I'm not a, I'm not a data expert. I need somebody else to look at the data. Um, and, but, but to be able to do that, you know, really effectively, you need what's called, or I'm told you need what's called a CVR report, which one of the uh, supervisor of elections offices in my district outright refused to turn over. So there's, there's been a real lack of transparency. You know, the example I use is if, some, if you suspect your partner is cheating on you, right, the first thing you, you want to do is look through their phone. If you say, hey, can I look through your phone, and they start to get defensive or make excuses why you can't, <laughs> That's, that's suspicious, right? We kind of know the answer exactly. to our question. But if they force the phone over and they go, here, yeah, no problem. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, go, go through it. I mean, the lack of transparency. Um, I have another video flying around the net where I called just to get the, the name of the legal counsel for the canvassing board from the supervisor of elections office in Palm Beach County. And um, the employee refused to give it to me unless I paid her, basically. And so, you know... I mean, it's just, it's so egregious that this is America and this is our country. Like this, we are, we are at last standing for liberty and freedom. Um, I grew up in Seneca Falls, New York in part. And in, as a single digit child, I remember going to the women's uh, suffrage museum and, um, or the women's rights museum and, and learning about the women that fought so hard that I was going to be able to vote one day. And that, I mean, that, put such pride in me as a young person and to think that our votes are just, you know, that they don't matter, that there's no transparency, the idea that machines, you know, could, could be manipulated to, to steal elections or, you know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if the numbers came back and I, and I lost, I wouldn't be shocked either way if I had won or lost. I was shocked at what the numbers ended up being. To me, that was a message that was sent. You know, if there was manipulation, that was, with intention. I could go, I could really go into why, but I, you know, um, well, let me, let me try. Minutes, so. I, I will go into why. So the number 6,000 is, is very odd. Ruben received 6,510 votes. And this is a guy that, that did walking, a walking campaign and distributed 40,000 flyers that he put on people's doors. He, Spoke to a lot of people wow. there in South Broward, Dania Beach, Hollywood, Weston, uh, Miramar. You know, uh, you know all those cities uh, uh, that that border uh, Miami-Dade County. But Melissa, when you said six thousand votes, now I am a data expert. I used to have a top secret clearance in, in the United States Air Force, and I worked as a vice president in corporate America. And I was one of those people that that caught vendors trying to steal from us. Let me tell you something about the number of, of that ends in zero. Ruben's number ended in, ended, ended in zero. Your number ended in zero. It is statistically an, an anomaly for a number to end in zero when there are nine other digits that where the number could have ended. I mean, it's 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 rare. <laughs> and then you and then you factor in the number six thousand of all the different numbers out there that you could have received. You received the lowest number that a person could receive, uh, and Ruben received the same number. And 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 what the the message is that that I believe 
that was sent to you and others like Ruben and people up in, in, in Orange County, California, I mean, Florida, and other people, strong Republicans, strong America first, pro-Trump Republicans all got dissed, as they say. But what the message is, is Melissa, you, got, you only got 6,000 votes. You had better not ever run again. It's a message that's sent to you. And it's a message that's sent to the voters who read the, the voter, the voting outcome. Oh, Melissa only got 6,000 votes. She must have been a horrible candidate. Oh, we, we will never vote for her again. And that's the subliminal, you know, psychological psyop message that was sent to people like yourself and Ruben is, see, she is not a, a, a great candidate. She's not popular in the community. And damn it, she not better not ever run again. Not a contender. Better not yep, run again. Not a contender. Yeah, I agree. I think that is exact was exactly the message. And I thought, you know, that was I like I get it. I get that they had to do that because it didn't just wasn't meant to just stifle the candidates. You know, and and of course I'm talking in allegations because I have what I believe is soft evidence of um, of fraud and misconduct. And you know, it needs to be uh, we need to delve into the data more deeply, and that's why we're suing. So, um, but now I'm I'm just talking with my own opinion, my own speculation my own gut feeling, um, you know, so if in fact we find there definitely was uh, this, this fraud, this cheating, I think you're right, there was this, this bigger picture. It wasn't just about winning. Uh, that would have been easier to pull off. Because to me, if I, if I had gotten, you know, if it was close or even if I had done better than the gentleman that was put into the race two months before with no, no presence in the district, I ran in that district for over 16 months in the district every single day, Hardcore grassroots campaign. I mean, I, I could go on. So, so the fact that I'm, that I not only came in the worst out of anybody that's ever run in the district, despite running the longest, having the most, most buzz and name recognition, um, the fact that I came in with the worst numbers over time, but also came in second to a guy that just put his name on the ballot, paid to be on the ballot. You know, of course, we got on the ballot with signatures, which means realized people, you know, over 2,600 people had to decide they wanted my name on the ballot. Um, it was such a discrepancy that I could not turn the other way. It would be so, it would have been so much easier for me as a person to go, well, we tried, we did well, you know, the numbers reflect that. And then I could have just moved on and kept advocating in another way. Cause I was always vocal that I wasn't, um, gonna run more than once. I don't want to be a career politician. This is not a lifelong goal. This is, I'm gonna put my ring in the hat to, to give the people another option or my, my hat in the ring, give the people another option. Um, serve my country, and then, you know, move on and serve in another way. And I'm going to keep serving, you know, whether I win or not. But the discrepancy was so big that now, I mean, they just shot themselves in the foot because now <laughs> I can't let that go. I mean, the fact that I suspect, uh, you know, this fraud and misconduct, I, I have to see it through to the end. I owe that to the people that I that I represent. I mean, I think, I think the powers that be are so used to this evil and the greed and, and the um, the selfish motivations of people that get into politics that they fail to calculate in is that these people that were running are patriots. They love their country. They, they love their families. They love God. And when that is something that is unyielding and unwavering, and it's not easily uh, dissuade, you know, so they, they fail to calculate <laughs> that one little factor. And I think it's really going to bite them because um, there's, you know, we were up in Tallahassee this week for a few days with other candidates that are filing or um, planning to file, and uh, they represented, 
each one of them has a number to their head of the, how many people they represent, you know, back where they came from. I think we're much, we're much bigger in number than, than people realize, uh, for those of us that are really pushing back on, on the tyranny. And this, this machine garbage, like, we have to get rid of the machines. The, the machines are just, you know, just open, just open for uh, manipulation and fraud, and, and we really have to get back to paper ballot. I mean, that would be a, a state law, you know, for our state. We need to, we need to start pushing for that because um, there's, there's room. There's room for it, period. You know, whether it's happening or not, I believe it is. Um, it just, it leaves, it's like leaving your door unlocked. Why would we do that if we don't have to? Yeah, exactly. And and we have more than than thirty minutes. We, you know, we can we can go up to an hour. I mean, it's it's a uh, I control the buttons. <laughs> but I want to I want to bring I want to bring in. Don't tap me, I wanna, Rick. I won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is good because I tell you what. Uh, coming being in California for the last twenty five years, I'm a native of Hillsborough County, born and raised in Tampa, oh, okay. Tampa Bay. Uh, matter of fact, grew up in the same large community as Governor Ron DeSantis. He's he grew up in Pinellas oh, wow. County. I grew up in Hillsborough County. He was a Navy commander. Uh, so I know this guy's extremely sharp. I know that this will not, he will not let this pass him like it's doing. He, his ears and his fingers and his, and his brain and, and, you know, the things that he wants to do, it's, it's gotta be at, at the forefront. I cannot believe that Governor DeSantis would let this uh, continue. He's working to do so many great things, uh, in, in the state of Florida. But I want to get back to what you were saying. You had mentioned, that you had, um, it seems like you had people working against you that that were in the Republican Party. I know Ruben experienced the same thing. And based on what you what you wrote in your complaint, I read the first draft of it, and I haven't looked at the second final draft of it. But it seems like the people that were supposed to support you as fellow Republicans in these Republican executive committees and these these local. GOP, uh, you know, groups. Did, now, did you face the same type of situation that other candidates faced where they were like shunning you away and not wanting to help you? Uh, yes, I did, 100%. And so much so, like I say, we're going to be writing uh, a book about it because I would say that was, that was the biggest shock to me. So uh, it wasn't just the Republican establishment, but a lot of people that we revere as, you know, truthers or patriots up in big lights that were um, unwilling to help, um, to help real, real candidates. So the Republican establishment, you know, for, for many of us are probably aware that are listening, but for those that are not, the monsters on both sides of the aisle, the idea that we have, you know, two different options, it's, it's a farce. By the time you get to that general election, for the most part, on either side of that ticket, a puppet has been placed there for you to choose. That's why the cheating is so important in the primary, um, because that's how they secure that on, you know, you've got a rhino on one side and a Democrat on the other, and they're both batting for the same team. You know, otherwise, why would there be so much resistance against um, new representation from real patriots? So I had been, um, so to just give a few examples, uh, Martin County REC, I, I went to one of their meetings. They would not let me speak at their meetings. Um, they had a table at the Martin County Fair where they announced at that meeting Republican candidates and put their um, petition signature forms on this table. And I went up and said, oh, you know, how do I do that? And they said, nope, you can't have your forms on, on the table. We, re uh, we support the incumbent who, again, has broken his oath to the Constitution, gone after Second Amendment rights, wants supportive legislation for 
our dollars to um, pay for transgender surgeries in the military. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. They made comments about having sex with children. So uh, this is who this is who they're protecting. And they said, no, you can't have your petitions on our table. We we protect him. We support him, which of course goes against REC rules. Um, St. Lucie County would not give me the opportunity to give information to their people, um, and ended up invoking Rule 8, which at least I give them credit that they invoked Rule 8 before they endorsed him, um, before they endorsed the incumbent, which, you know, that rule allows them to exclusively endorse a Republican candidate in the primary. Um, and, but they didn't give their people the option to hear who the other candidates were. And I find it interesting that, you know, I only got 6,000 votes allegedly. I'm not sure why they felt they needed to invoke Rule 8 when we were clearly, according to the results, not a threat. Um, and then Palm Beach County put out a mailer to everybody in the REC, which is thousands of people. They, they, um, they put out a mailer saying that the incumbent was endorsed by Governor Ron DeSantis, and he was never endorsed. I mean, just blat blatant lies. Um, they, one of their representatives said that he was endorsed by Donald Trump before he was. So all, all kinds of shadiness. I was uh, not allowed at a, at a tea party uh, meeting, but I didn't even know them. <laughs> they just got wind that I was going, and I got an email. Actually, I got a phone call from the restaurant manager where they were meeting that told me I was not allowed to come to the restaurant. I, this is when I first started running. had never met these people. Um, uh, I mean, I could really, I could go on with stories, but the, the, beyond the, beyond them, beyond the Tea Party and the, and the REC, um, it was bigger than that. So people like Dan Bongino, who, who lived in the district I was running, who touts himself as someone who is, um, anti-rhino, but has a rhino in his own district, was unwilling to speak out. He didn't want to, uh, interview me because he didn't want to push back on the, the establishment narrative, you know, and deal, with, and deal with the backlash of going against this candidate, even just by interviewing me, not by endorsing me. Um, I had people like Steve Bannon and um, Tucker Carlson want polling. So, you know, you may be even more aware than me, um, but often if you have the money, people, people take polls. I was quoted $9,000 if I wanted to do a poll. As a grassroots campaign, we thought the money was better spent getting the message out to the people than taking a poll. Uh, so I never had any formal polling done. And people like that, like Steve Bannon and Tucker Carlson, didn't want to touch getting the word out, having an interview, just letting the people know there was another option unless I had had a poll that showed I was, I was doing well, which is just counterintuitive because how, how are we supposed to get real representation in when, when there's not an even, even playing field. And you would think some of these patriots would be giving other patriots um, a step up so that they could be, be heard at the very least. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, there's, there's a lot more I could share. I will be writing a book for those that care. And that, to me, is just, is just so we can get the information out because I wasn't able to do it in the campaign. I was so censored um, within, within the truther community, the patriot movement, the... Um, the political establishment, but I wasn't able to get that information out uh, very well to the people. But when we would hold, you know, every event I went to, every meet and greet I went to, when we, when we would hold um, events where we're with, when I was with the actual constituents, which was for 16 months, the people were extremely supportive, very aware of what was going on, you know, very upset with their current rep representation. And that voice 
was not allowed to be heard in, in mainstream media, was not allowed to be heard in, in the Republican establishment. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what, Melissa, um, whatever, all the things that you are saying now, I could replace your name with Ruben's name. The same thing almost to the T happened to him uh, as he was shunned and uh, told that he could not attend certain events. Uh, he was actually invited to an event, and then when he showed up at the door, he was not allowed to enter. <laughs> but I wow. tell you, this, this is interesting. But I, I'll tell you, I see, unless something happens to turn this around, I see, this is a word that you probably haven't heard of before, the California, the Californication, the Californication of, of Florida. And I'll tell you why. There was a candidate running in 2018. His name was Travis Allen. He was from Huntington Beach, California, which is kind of like our, our Palm Beach, Newport Beach, uh, which is like Palm Beach and the, the areas uh, a little south of Palm Beach. He was he was called Little Donald Trump. This guy would draw 25,000 people at rallies throughout the state from San Diego all the way up to Sacramento. And, you know, California is a huge state. And he would have 25, you know, 30,000 people at the rallies. When he, be, when he was running, this guy who has dual citizenship in Illinois and California, he flew out. His name is John Cox. He's just like the guy you mentioned that signed up a couple of months or became a candidate a couple of months before, uh, you know, the, the, the primary. He signed up to run against uh, Travis Allen for governor, for, against Governor Newsom. And this guy only did one campaign video in San Francisco with an iPhone. And he ended up beating Travis Allen. So what we know, what I know here in California and allegedly what is happening in in Florida, these people who are behind the scenes, we call them secretary of states, uh, you know, county supervisor of elections here in California. You call them SOEs. We believe, or I believe what's happening in California and allegedly in Florida, you have these people manipulating the votes. I, Melissa, I believe that the manipulation is easy as the person with the, pe- the pen and the paper changing the votes at the last minute. And the reason, reason why they won't give you the CVR file is because it will show that you are correct and that, and that you won and, and that you received probably you know, 50,000 votes, but they wanted to humiliate you and give you only 6,000 votes. So I see the same things that you're seeing that you're talking about now. I see them in California and voters should be very, very concerned. And I am so proud of you for not just, oh, well, I lost. I guess I'll I'll try it again. And, And that's what they want you to do because they keep building this army of 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 rhinos and and grifters and all these consultants that only run just to you know run and their candidates run just to buy homes and to buy cars and to and to own businesses and and lastly before I let you jump back in I noticed this back it was a congressional race in Maryland and this person was was very popular and this person said I'm only eight points down from beating the incumbent, a very popular uh, Democrat. Please donate to my campaign so I can p- pull this thing off. So the person ended up in, ended up getting like seven to eight million dollars 
and then losing by more than 30 points. Wow. And, and it, it, was, it was that instance as a data's person, I said to myself, why would you tell people you're only eight, point down, eight points down and get on these major networks, these conservative networks, and beg for money and lose by 30 points? That was the thing that triggered me to start Real People USA to talk to voters. And here's the last thing. I was talking to this lady in Monterey County, California, our wine country where, uh, where a lot of cool beaches are and stuff. And she said, Rick, what are the candidates doing with money? And I didn't know anything about what a grassroots mm-hmm. candidate was. Then I discover that grassroots, can- grassroots candidates do not accept donations of five, fifteen, fifty thousand $50,000 from these, these weird PACs. But the other candidates that are belong, that belong to PACs, they can get money from any place through different yeah. layers of, of, of consulting groups and super PACs and, and things. And, and this, I told this lady, she, I said, let me research this. And this has brought me to today talking with you and experiencing all, I, I've interviewed 25 congressional candidates and all of them have said the same things. They were all patriots. They were all America first, pro-Donald Trump people. And I would say, with the exception of maybe one person, all of them lost by weird circumstances. Well, this is a very good point about the money and a really important uh, to educate people. I've, I've tried to do that throughout my own campaign, um, educating people on the, on the money piece and also... Um, you know, it was an education for me, even just running and understanding how much emphasis is placed on money. So people tell you if you don't have millions of dollars, you're not going to win. It's all about money. If you, you know, when people look up their candidates, they look at the candidate that has raised the most money, they think they're the best candidate. We have to change our mentality, and really we need to change our laws. I'd like to see a cap. I don't know why anyone needs a million dollars to run. Um, what are they doing with the money? Because you can only spend so much on advertising. So People will run uh, to make money, not even to win sometimes. So, like, if I wanted to, I could have made money. I could have lost and made money. Um, I Nobody made money in my campaign. I did not take a salary. Nobody took a salary. We refused to take tax money, dark money, special interest group money. Um, downside to that is if you want to have a televised debate, which he was never going to debate me. He refused to debate me. Um, but let's just say he didn't, and I wanted to do a televised debate. There's a rule, which makes no sense that um, you have to have raised something like $2,500, um, uh, like a quarter of a million dollars in your, in your first quarter of FEC reporting to be allowed on, on a, into a televised debate. So what we did, um, most of, of what I raised, I think I raised over $333,000, but most of that was in-kind donations. And the value of an in-kind donation is reported the same as a monetary donation. So let's say somebody donates a, a computer to your campaign. You didn't get the money, you got the computer, but let's say that the value of that computer was $2,000. It shows up as $2,000 in your reporting. So we, we did um, magnet advertising. So we, we got in-kind donations for people to put big magnets on their car, Melissa Marts for Congress. We looked up the market value of what that would have been to pay someone to do that. And we had probably over 100 or more people um, uh, take magnets for the campaign, and that helped us to beef up our number so that, if, so that you know, to kind of play the game a little because it's so sad and unfortunate that people need to see a big number to think you're a real 
a real candidate, but I did not want to compromise. I did not even want the illusion of compromise. I mean, I could have taken, you know, you, I could have legitimately maybe gone after some PAC money for, for things I, I would have been for, but the problem with that is it gives the, the illusion, and many times it's true, that whatever money you took from whoever you took it from, they pull the strings on you when you get in to vote the way that they want you to vote instead of the American people. So we have a, a complete farce in representation. These people are not in there representing us. They're representing the big money that got them in there. And that's why, you know, in, in the case of the incumbent, you go, huh, why did he vote that way? You know, it's like, well, follow, follow the money. Um, and so why do people need, some people have raised $30, $40 million. So the guy uh, that I ran against had, had raised almost $10 million over the course of his um, time running, so going on a fourth, ter a fourth term and had raised almost $10 million. What do you need that for? Especially when you're an incumbent and you have the name recognition, what, what do you need to millions of dollars for? Um, you know, when you're invited on, onto Fox News, what, what advertising are you having to pay for? So it's very suspicious. And then you start to look at, too, the net worth of these people once they get in grows in a way that is statistically impossible on the salary that they make. So, you know, the speculation is obviously stocks. These people do very well in the stocks with their insider trading tips. Um, and then whatever back dealings there may be with, with lobbyists or whoever is going to pull, pull the strings from behind the scenes. So we have, to me, we have to start looking at big money as a red flag. When you see a candidate has raised millions of dollars or an obscene amount of money, let that be a red flag instead of a reason to vote for them. I also learned from running, had no idea, um, that most candidates, if they do donate their own money to their campaign, they put it in as a loan. So you have the option to either give your money, like I donated some money to my campaign. I could have loaned it to the campaign and paid myself back with what other people were going to donate. I didn't do that. I gave my money, <laughs> just like, mm -hmm. you know, if I was going to ask somebody else to give, but wasn't going to be willing to give myself, what does that say, you know? So and there's, there's so much... Um, to, to look at when it comes to the money. I mean, I think, sadly, you know, okay, what, what are the reasons for all this control, this power and control? Why, why are these positions so coveted? Um, why, why can't we get term limits in Congress? Why do they want to be there so long on salaries that most of them have degrees they could make more than that salary, you know, in, in the job market? Um, I think part of the answer to that question is the greed and the money. Um, but we also have a really uh, concerning truth around pedophilia in our, in our government. So the gentleman I ran against had made um, what I call pedophilia promoting comments, um, promoting and joking about having sex with children. Um, and we have, we have more than one fact that lends itself to we have a government that seems to either turn a blind eye or be facilitating child trafficking specifically at our border, um, you know, which is a very lucrative industry. So I have the suspicion that a lot of this corruption and control is even beyond just wanting millions and millions of dollars. I think, I think it's almost like um, organized crime, and I don't know that everybody is aware of it. I think some people are just pawns and puppets, and that's why they're chosen often or that's why they're endorsed. Um, the guy that came to me a few months before the election, he sat me down with, with three other men on his team, and he told me he had been given money to switch races and to come into my race. He was running in another race uh, for U.S. Congress, and just, you know, two and a half months before, 
somebody came to him and said, here, here's some money, we'd like you to move into the other race. Now, does he know he's, he's a pawn? Is he, is he in on it? I, I have no idea. Um, but objectively, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was a California governor candidate that broke that all down, which you just mentioned about uh, PACs. And uh, once you sign up with the PAC, they'll, I think there's like a limit of something like $125,000, $150,000. And once you sign up with that pack, it's almost like you're a, you're, a, you're a political slave. You must do what they tell you to do, or you could find yourself in court in breach of contract of what, whatever that pack uh, signed you up for and gave the money to you. And this guy, he was very sharp. He was a, a Navy SEAL who ran in the uh, governor primary here in California. And I'll send you the link so you can listen to what this guy has to say. He's very, very sharp. And he lives uh, in, 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 uh, down in Los Angeles County. But you're right. I, I believe and this is my allegation. And I see the thing about conspiracy theories 10, 20 years ago, and I'm 60 years old. OK, so 10, 20 years ago, a conspiracy theory used to take a long time before you found out it was true. Nowadays, a conspiracy theory can go from being untrue back in January of 2022 to being fat <laughs> in September of 2022. Right. So uh, when I, right. I, I, I love to call my podcast uh, episodes part conspiracy theory, because I love listening to the, listening to the same podcast six months later. And then I can say, Oh, that was a fact. <laughs> that wasn't a conspiracy theory, but here's my conspiracy theory for, for today. And I, you can chime in on it if you like. When people raise this money, millions of dollars, I believe this money is going to all their, their consultants so Sammy can buy a house, because you know someone can buy a Tesla, someone can use the money to, to start a business. And when the money goes to that consultant, it's legit. What did the, what did the consultant do? Oh, the consultant you know, booked hotels and flights for me. Therefore, I paid him or her 20 grand as a consultant. The consultant takes the money, buys a brand new car. No one's going to question that. The consultant sets up an LLC a month before the campaign starts. The consultant shuts down the LLC after the, the, uh, the campaign ends. And, what, are the, and what, is the, what kind of assets have they acquired? Some. You know, are we looking at their bank accounts? Probably not. Once they transfer it to their personal account, we're not looking at their personal accounts. So, and, and then the money, all this money, is all this money going to the to these committees? Are, are, are these dollars going to county officials? Like, like what's his name? Uh, uh, Soros. He said that he was going to spend a $1.5 million to defeat Ashley Moody. But for the, for a lieutenant governor or something, he's not going to run ads. You know, people are not dumb. They're not going to say, "Oh, uh, I believe this ad that is patently false." Therefore, I'm not voting for Ashley Moody. No, the money I believe allegedly the conspiracy theory is Melissa is the money is going to someone who's going to change the vote behind the scene, either with machines or through administratively changing the vote. That's what I believe. So, Melissa, please close us out. Take as long as you want and close out the episode. 
Yes, well, I, I concur with your suspicion. I think that that money is moved around, um, and it's very easy to hire a consultant and let them raise money all over the nation um, and, and drum up that money for you. Um, but to close us out, I just want to remind people uh, that we have this really beautiful and amazing American history. Um, when you look at how our, our country was started, it, it was founded um, with the blood of patriots who, who sacrificed everything for a really simple concept of God-given liberty. And our representatives are charged with protecting that liberty. That's, that's their only role, is to preserve and protect our constitutional liberties, which we clearly state have been given to us by our creator. We're born with them. Government does not, not give us those liberties. So those representatives should be keeping at bay any, any laws or infringement on those liberties. Um, I would say the majority have broken their oath. The majority have not done that. And in our Declaration of Independence, there is a call um, that says we have a duty, we the people have a duty to rise up and usher in a new guard when we, when we are faced with tyranny like we are today. So I have the duty, you have the duty, we, we each have this responsibility. It's been done once before, we can do it again. Um, I have a lot of faith and knowing that we are going to see a return to our republic in the way that it was intended. So I'm not giving up the fight. There are so many others that are not giving up the fight. Um, and I just want to encourage people to enjoy the liberty that God, God gave them and um, continue to stand up to keep it for the next generation. So, Melissa, do you have a website that you still have active where people can reach oh, out no. to you? <laughs> No, no, I got rid of my campaign website, but um, and I'm and I've been hard at work uh, getting my camp my complaints in order. Um, but I have an email address, so my my professional email address is Melissa Marsh. It's my name, M E L I S S A M A R T Z E S Q for Esquire, Melissa Marsh E S Q at gmail.com. And the way that I've been, um, I still have my email list that that I had during for my campaign, so I've been blasting out emails that way. If anybody wants to email me and get put on that list uh, and or I have a YouTube channel that I'm that I'm keeping people updated, um, which is just my again, just my name, Melissa Mars, M-A-R-T-Z. Excellent. Well, Melissa, I want to thank you for your time today. I know there's a lot going on in Florida and a lot of people are looking at Florida because Florida, you know, is still the place that people are looking at as a refuge from things happening in, in Seattle, Portland, you know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and people are packing their bags today in, in their U-Haul trucks, and they're paying a lot of money for these U-Haul trucks, too. Some $8,000 to go east. Uh, it's outrageous prices. Wow. And uh, they're going to Florida thinking that Florida is, is, is different than California, and it still is today, but it is, it is creepily beginning to – Florida is, is beginning to look like uh, California – every day with these uh, public elected officials doing bad things to good people. So I want to thank you for being a Real People USA guest today. Thank you. Thank you, Rick, for having me. God bless you. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.